the righteous are saved as we run into you, not from you. And so we thank you for the assurance of who you are. We thank you that you are a protector. You are a shield. You are a buckler. You are a shepherd. You are the one that watches over us. Thank you for your goodness and your tender mercies. We honor you tonight. We bless you tonight. We praise your name. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for our time together. We pray for a refreshing that comes from your presence and your spirit. Thank you, Lord Jesus. In Jesus' name. Amen. Good evening, good evening, good evening. Let's just dive into what tonight. I want to continue on the message from last Sunday from death to life in Christ. Uh, we read that passage in 1 John chapter 3 as we began this teaching on Sunday. 1 John 3.14 says, We know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. He who does not love his brother abides in death. So the issue here is, as believers, we are separated from death and separated to life in the spirit. Two totally different things. When we are born again, we were cut away from death. But the intention of God is that we do not just lavish in the wilderness, that we go from death into life. In John chapter 10, verse 10, the Bible says, The thief come not but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But Jesus said, He came that we may have life and to have it more abundantly. Uh, the, that scripture is, become, is becoming clearer and clearer to me by the day. So He said, He did not come that we should have life, but that we should have it abundantly. Everyone who is born again and breathing right now, you have life. But the issue is, do you have abundant life? The abundant life is the overcoming, victorious, fulfilling, satisfying life. And that kind of life only comes as we separate from death into life in Christ Jesus. Um, uh, so uh, Jesus said in John 5, 39 and verse 40, he said, Search ye the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. He said, but they are, that, they, are that, they are that which testify of me. And then in verse 40, he said, you will not come to me that you may have life. So the essence, we are saved from death, from living on our fleshly, physical, natural resources from death, saved unto life so we can begin to live dependently on the divine resources that are available for us. You know, the more I think about it, I thought about this, this since Sunday, the more I just marvel at the grace and the mercy of God. Because to, 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 to help you understand that, let's go back to Romans chapter 8. Let's read Romans chapter 8 from verse 6. Actually, we can start from verse 5. Romans chapter 8, verse 5. I'm reading from the New King James Version. It says, For those who live according to the flesh... That word flesh there refers to physical, natural, human resources. Okay? So we are, we are flesh. Flesh in the sense that we are humans and we live in the world. We are flesh. However, even though we are flesh, God does not want us to live in the flesh. That is, that's the distinction. We are in this world, but not of this world. So here Paul is saying to us, 
in Romans 5, Romans 8 verse 5. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit, the things of the spirit. Verse 6. For to be carnally minded is death. In other words, to be fleshly minded. Another translation. To be fleshly minded is death. What does that mean? To, to, to focus on your human, natural, physical endowment or resources. The Bible says death. And this is why I'm saying I marvel at God. If this, this lesson will become so glaringly easy and clear to all of us. If every time we walk in the flesh, something happens to us. You forget, you forget what I'm saying? If every time you and I just move in the realm of the flesh, when the Bible says flesh brings death, if that death happened right there and then, you'll know it right away. But out of his mercy, we live in the flesh all day long. And in our time, maybe in our generation, we don't see the consequence of that flesh right away. So we continue to do it. Because we just assume nothing, nothing wrong happened, so hey, why not? Keep on living it. But what I'm finding out is the word of God is always going to be true. It may not happen to me or to my children, but somewhere down the, down, the, down the line, down the ecosystem, someone pays the price for this fleshly living. Okay, so, for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritual minded is life and peace. Why? Because the carnal or fleshly mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. So now, we, we said last Sunday that the flesh simply means anything or anyone following the dictates of their body, their mind, emotions, patterns, heritage, or education. That is, living on any resource outside of the divine resources of the Holy Spirit. Now, let me give us, I didn't give us any examples on Sunday because I was pushed or pressed for time. Let's go to Genesis chapter 16. Genesis chapter 16. Verses 1 to 3. Genesis, Genesis 16 verses 1 to 3. Now Sarai, Abraham's wife, had borne him no children. And she had an Egyptian Made servant whose name was Hagar. So Sarah said to Abraham, See now, the Lord has restrained me from bearing children. Watch this. Please go into my maid. Perhaps I shall obtain children by her. And Abraham heeded the voice of Sarai. Then Sarah, Abraham's wife, took, took her maid Sarah, the Egyptian. And gave her to her husband, to Abraham, to be his wife. Now, this is the question. Think about this. This is a clear example where we know that God had given Abraham a promise, right? In thee shall uh, the nations of the earth be blessed. So, definitely within that promise was the ability for Abraham to produce. Is that correct? But the child did not come 
at the time that Abraham and Sarah expected. So what did Sarah say? Hey, this is Hagar. She's a woman. Go in unto her. Why? Because I'm going to show you four things that manifest in the flesh. Four categories of the flesh living that you're going to see in a minute. The first one is the thing called self-sufficient flesh. Self-sufficient flesh. What is self-sufficient flesh? That is the aspect of my flesh, your flesh, that says, I have enough resources. I'm good to go. I have what it takes. I don't need anything else. Therefore, this issue, I can resolve it. Now, this is the question. We're all adults here. Suppose Abraham had been made impotent by God. Will he have been able to go into Hagar? No. That would have shut that door right there. That would have eliminated the thought of Abraham helping himself. Because the guy is impotent. But out of God's goodness, out of his loving kindness, he did not strike Abraham with impotence. He just expected Abraham, just, just wait for me. Just honor me. Just listen, I made you the promise. You didn't ask me for it. I made the promise. I'm able to bring it to pass. Just hold on, Abraham. I'm going I'm to make it good. If God made the promise and made it impotent, there will be no problem. He could have made it impotent, and at the time he wanted him to have a child by Sarah, wake him up again. No problem. But God didn't do that. God gave him his full ability. His self-sufficiency was there. And God said, in and through, in spite of all, of all your sufficiency, just trust me. So what I'm saying to all of us is, God is so merciful. He's so lovingly kind. Because some of the decisions we make, if you just simply took away our ability to make that decision, there will be no problem. Some of the things Bank Akimala went and purchased, if I didn't have the ability to buy it, nor the credit to obtain it, I just simply wait and say, God, whenever you're able to do it, I'm waiting on you. Do you see what I'm saying? So God is saying, listen, don't let me put you in, don't, don't let me put you at this disadvantage. I don't want you to honor me because you are at a disadvantage. I will give you the full advantages. Brain, wisdom, resources, whatever you need. But in spite of that, don't be driven by those resources. And I just thought about that. I said, if Abraham was impotent, it would have been no question. There won't be an issue with Agar. We won't have Ishmael. We won't have the Middle East war. Do you see what I'm saying about consequences? Because in Abraham's time, he did not see that. He went into Hagar, had a child, Ishmael, and all his life, he had no problem. Ishmael did not create a problem for Abraham, but it is not for the Jews. And it is not for you and I. Are you, are you guys hearing what I'm saying? This is, this is you, you almost want to say, God, okay, just don't. Take the power of choice away from me. But that's not who God is. He gives you and I the choice, the ability to make choice between death and life. He said, but choose life. One more example. Exodus chapter 2. Exodus chapter 2. 
verses 11 and 12. Another very familiar story. Now it came to pass in those days when Moses was grown, that he went out to his brethren and looked at their burdens, and he saw an Egyptian beaten Hebrew, one of his brethren. So he looked this way and that way. And when he saw no one, he killed the Egyptian and hid him in his hand. And when he went out on the second day, behold, two Hebrew men were fighting. And he said to one, who did the wrong? Why are you striking your companion? Then he said, who made you a prince, over, a prince and a judge over house? Do you intend to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? So Moses feared and said, surely this thing is known. Now, to understand, and get, to understand the, what's just happened here, let's go to Acts chapter 7. Because the Holy Ghost gave us a commentary on that. Acts chapter 7, verse 23. Acts 7, 23. Acts 7, 23. Well, Acts 7, 22, actually. And Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was mighty in words and deeds. Now when he was 40 years old, he came into his heart to visit his brethren, the children of Israel. And seeing one of them suffer wrong, he defended and avenged him who was oppressed and struck the Egyptian. Verse 25. For he, Moses, supposed that his brethren would have understood that God would deliver them by his hand. But they did not understand. Now, this is another, another classic example of moving in the flesh. From Acts 7, we know that God wanted to use Moses to deliver them. God spoke to him and said, I am calling you to go and help deliver your people. He told him that clearly. The only thing at that point was God did not tell him how he was going to do it yet. So this man of God saw two so a Hebrew and Egyptian fighting. Ah, he said, here it is. Ah, I'm the savior of Egypt, of Israelite. And because he was in the position of authority, who had power and resources, of the palace behind him, he killed the Egyptian. He killed the Egyptian. Now, what's the point I'm making? Would Moses have done that if he was another one of the Hebrew slaves? <laughs> if he was one of the evil slaves that's living in the, in, in the bondage of Egypt, if he had no privilege, if he had no influence, will he think anything of himself to see two people fighting and killing one against the other? No. No, so his position of elevation prompted him to think he did not need God. His position of elevation did not allow him to say, God, when are you going to start this deliverance business? He took the bull by the horn to do something that God will ultimately do, but not using human resources. I mean, God was going to give Abraham a son, but he didn't want to do it through Abraham's way. He wanted it to be a supernatural thing. When both Abraham and Sarah were both dead, when nobody else could have taken any credit for what God did. And yet Abraham went and did it on his own. And God said, that's your son, not mine. Not mine. 
And here I saw with Moses. Because the point of the matter is to show us how, how ridiculous our human efforts are. How many Egyptians could Moses have killed to get Hebrews out of Egypt? I mean, how, how many of them will he have to physically one by one kill? That's an impossible task. And that's why God said, listen, I'm going to do it my own way, not yours. And so the point tonight for all of us is, these are biblical stories, but have huge implications for us every day. Especially living here in the great United States of America. I'm sure nobody here this, this evening had to pray for electricity. In fact, I was just telling Richard that I've not been out, I've been out of water in my house. Oh, in fact, Sister Lola knows this because she's bringing me water at home. Uh, I've not had any water. How long? I can't even remember when. When was Monday? When, when, I, come, when I come back from Maryland? <laughs> Monday, what date is that? October? Yes, now. Yes. Yeah. October 27 or 28. Yeah. Yes. No water. I had to turn my water off. Not because I did the water bill, but we had a leak. We had a leak. But I'm, I'm sure none of you here, here today pray for water in your house. You just went to the faucet, turn your thing on, it came on. Automatic. You would not, uh, that water you drink, did you thank God for the water? Of course not. Why would you thank God for water? Because you thought you created water. <laughs> but for, since October 27, listen, I lived in a uh, holiday in Bethlehem for two or three days. Oh yeah, I, 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 I understood the value of water this last week more than anything else. More than anything else. I told my wife, I said, listen, I can live in a house without water, but how about going to the toilet? I said, missionary, if I don't take a shower, maybe nobody will know. I just, <laughs> I just, I just hide in my house. But, but you, you can't do that with the toilet. You gotta go. So I'm saying that to help us understand how the blessings of God and the resources in our nations have inundated us, inoculated us to insensitive to God's presence. There are places in Africa praying for electricity is five hours a day. Straight. You have, if you don't blow tongues for five hours, you will not see light. It's not possible. And then water is another issue. They're not, don't talk about transportation. Don't talk about housing. Don't talk about education. Don't talk about sickness. Oh, security. Everybody in this room, you're a prime candidate for kidnappers. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's crazy. No, listen, no, we are laughing, but these are serious things. When I'm driving on the highway in Nigeria, my wife is sitting there, she's asleep. I say, Ah, oh, you're sleeping. <laughs> you don't understand. She said, How come you cannot sleep? Sleep. <laughs> the arrow that's coming up, I want to see before it gets here. <laughs> no, seriously. So we are taking many things for granted. And unfortunately, as biblical people, as believers, it has created huge problems for us. We found ourselves as the, as the Alpha and Omega. 
Whatever the problem is, I've got to solve it. So it is only when we hit the wall, we say, ah, there's a God in heaven. Oh, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. (laughs) That's what happens. But God is saying, no, no, no. This kind of lifestyle leads to death. I want you on every living day, every living moment, to make me your first resource. Because you see, my goal is to give you life and to give it to you abundantly. Just as Abraham did not know. Now, if you see Abraham in heaven, will you not ask him, oh God, why did he cause this problem for us? He had one child, Ishmael, and the boy has created nothing but problems since then. But he doesn't know that. So what I'm saying to us is there are decisions you and I make, actions we take, things we say, that we just say them, uh, we don't mean any harm by them, but once that thing is released, it takes a life of its own. And only eternity will help to show us the consequence of those things. That's why Paul is admonishing us to walk in the spirit and not fulfill the loss of the flesh. So there are four ways in which this fleshy work manifests themselves. The first one, I said it, the self-sufficient flesh. That's the flesh or the mindset that convinces you and I that you can do this on your own. Whatever it is. You are strong enough. You look good enough. You are smart enough. You only turn to God when your personal resources are exhausted. Man, 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 man. It is very scary for me. Now this whole thing becomes very, very scary for me. Yes. Second area of manifestation is the religious flesh. Religious flesh. In other words, we live to follow all the rules. You struggle with being piety, P-I-E-T-Y, and judgment of others. Bottom line is, you are independently trying to be good. Religious flesh. I pray enough, I fast enough, I read the Bible enough, I go to church enough, I give enough money, I follow all the rules of Christianese. And I'm saying as long as I do all these things, I am good. And it's nothing but deception. And then the indulgent flesh is number three. Indulgent flesh. That's the mindset that seeks numbness or comfort through other means other than God. I need to say that again. The indulgent flesh is the mindset that seeks numbness or comfort through means other than God. So in our society, we call it addictive personality. So we latch onto things like food, shopping, fantasy novels, substance abuse, or sometimes pornography. It just feels good. It gives me comfort. So I have to have sushi and delicatessen for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I know people that can shop till they break or till they drop. 
And they can do it every day of the week, seven days a week. Now, are we saying these things are wrong? No, shopping is not wrong. Eating is not wrong. But it's when you are driven by those things. That, that's the idea of the mindset, of this fleshly mindset. So I'm not feeling good, I'm not happy. Rather than go to God and say, God, you are the source of my joy. Rather than plug into the foot of the spirit, which is joy, I'll run to the mall and spend all day there. Trying to numb that feeling. Trying to bring comfort to myself through that fleshly means. And you'll be surprised how much trouble we all get into. Some people is food. Some is fantasy. Some is pornography. Some substance abuse. The bottom line is they're trying to numb a particular feeling or seek comfort through means other than God. And the Bible says the Holy Ghost is our comforter. Not food. Not shopping. I mean, Oh, man. I bought my first pair of jeans when? What year was that? Why are you guys laughing? Why, Pastor Big, what's so funny? <laughs> what's so funny? I mean, what's this guy? <laughs> we need to pray for this man tonight. <laughs> I did not wear a pair of jeans until 2016, thereabouts. <laughs> I guess Mr. Pierre is, is, is keeping the calendar. <laughs> no, seriously. But it's crazy. After I bought the first one and I finally got broken into the first one, I couldn't stop. I couldn't stop. It's crazy. The comfort, the numbness. I, I mean, I, I have all kinds of, what do you call these things? I don't go to the store. I, don't, I hardly go into a real store to buy one. I, I got them online. It's, it's, a lot <laughs> it's a lot easier. But the point is this. How many genes... Do I need? Or must I have or own? I just use myself as an example. You can look at yourself and see and look at how you spend your time, your money. So, so the issue is if I had no money. If I, again, it goes back to this issue. If I didn't have any money, I, I won't I have the privilege. To buy and buy and buy and don't know how to stop. Now, is something wrong with jeans? No. The issue I'm driving home is we need to let the spirit life lead us and guide us rather than the flesh. Because the issue is you can never satisfy your flesh. You can never find a man or a woman who indulges in pornography and said one day, they just, they just they watch, 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 or whatever they do, and just say, I'll stop. No. It always gets deeper, stronger, worse. The same thing with alcohol. The same thing with drugs. People don't smoke a John and say, man, this thing was good. I'm not going to smoke it again. You smoke a joint, the thing was good. You find a better joint than that, and you find a better one, and you better find another one. Very soon, you'll be taking your vacation in Mexico. Or Jamaica, Montego Bay, <laughs> where, the, where the ganja, original ganja, <laughs> you own the plantation in Montego Bay. <laughs> you leave your hotel room and just go to the plantation. <laughs> yeah. 
So we have the self-sufficient flesh, we have the religious flesh, we have the indulgent flesh, and the last one is the sensuous flesh. The mindset that is drawn towards sensuous things. In other words, if it feels good, do it. You feed your desires and find comfort or numbness even in self-worth and validation. Most times through sex. Through sex. Now, this is the trick. All those things might feel like freedom at first. But the, end, the point is, it's a trap that keeps you from doing what you really want in your spirit. Amen? So I'm going to stop here and see if you have any questions or comments. Because in Galatians chapter 5, verses 19 through 21, Paul now breaks these things down for us. All of the manifestation of the flesh is broken down for us. But I'll leave that for another day. So if anybody has any questions or comments on what I've said so far, So the remedy, just in case, the remedy for all of this is renouncing independence from God. Before you rush to make a decision, take an action, or do anything based on what you have, based on what you are, based on the resources available to you, maybe you should just take a pause, take a deep breath, and take a pause and say, God, what do you want me to do in this situation? Now, you may find that God may still use your resources only now, it's not you taking the lead. He's the one taking the lead. Do, do you understand the difference? He just wants preeminence. He wants to lead us. He wants to guide us. Yeah, so any questions or any comments? Anybody? Yes, sir. Okay, indulgence, indulgent, indulgent flesh would be like, for instance, like I said, shopping, foods. You'd be surprised. Some people, they major on serious cuisine. I mean, they, 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 they're looking for all the nice, they know all, they have, they have a Rolodex on all the nice eating places in New York City or Las Vegas, or Atlanta. And so they live for that. They live every day, honey, what are we going to eat today? That's, that's, a, that's a subject. Now, that may not be your, your thing, so you may not really appreciate that, but there are people, people where, when you look at their, how much they spend on food, you'll be surprised. Oh, I saw, okay, it was a, a, a CBS, episode on CBS called All Rise. I just ran into it yesterday. I saw, I saw maybe an episode. The judge? Yeah, the judge. judge. Yeah, the black judge. This woman, <laughs> her, 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 her main thing for living is luring men to take her to eat every night. She's not a judge. Okay. So for, what, for this particular man, yeah. she got to do, she got, they got to the restaurant. She, nah, she invited the man. They got to the place, they gave them the menu, the menu. and other, she ordered a bottle of wine. You know how much it was? $908. That's not the meal. That's just the, the wine. The wine. That's not the meal. 
$908. By the time they got through the night, the man was out thousands of dollars. And so that's why the guy brought the woman to court. And they found out the woman, that's what she does for a living. There were about 14 men that she's defrauded like that. That's indulgent flesh. She, she lived just to eat. But unfortunately, in this case, she made, other men, she made, made men pay for it. For others, it's shopping. Now, the sensuous flesh has to do with sen uh, sensuous things. Um, what's the example we gave? If it feels good, do it. If it feels good, do it. Yes. Yeah, whatever, whatever makes you feel good. So the indulgent flesh and sensual is very close. It's very close. But the issue here is sensuous things. Immorality. Yeah, and really, I don't, want to, I don't want to really go there, but the issue of, even the issue of same sex is a thing. So I'm attracted to a man. It feels good to just hug a man. Yeah, if it's good, I'll just do it. Because that's, that's my thing. So it doesn't matter what it, 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 it doesn't matter what God says about it. But it makes me feel good. So in that sense, truth has become relative. It's no longer absolute. So you, me, and you define what truth is. If it feels good to do this with a man, that's good. That's that's my truth. I mean, who am I bothering? After all, it's just us. Again, not understanding that. The consequence of our action today lives in the future. That's the problem. D does that help you, sir? Anybody else? Yes. Yes. Okay, religious flesh. There are some people that are, they are just big on all the church rules. Big. You miss a church service. Ah, what happened to you? You backslide. Uh, or you, you didn't do your money devotion today. Uh, God help you if you did not pray today. I mean, the, all the things we deem as important. Now, God is not saying those things are not essential. This is the problem. When I think church attendance equates righteousness. When I think I can attain good standing with God because I read the Bible. When I think I can attain good standing with God because I prayed. Now, is praying, reading the Bible, going to church, are they good? Yes. So the point here is I get to go to church. I get to pray. I get to study my Bible because I'm in love with God and because God is already pleased with me. So I'm not doing those things to be to for God's to, to attain God's pleasure. No, I'm doing them because I'm already God, God is already pleased with me. The motivation is different. It's totally different. But there are people that are big on those rules. Big, because we, we've been taught for a long time that Christianity is a self-help religion. Some of you have heard it, heaven helps those who help themselves. <laughs> Nothing can be further from the truth. 
<laughs> Heaven helps those who help themselves. How about those that have no energy to help themselves? So heaven don't help them? So that's, that's the issue with religious flesh. Religious flesh is big on, I do good, and therefore I get good. And God is saying, no, when you are worthless, as they give you good. Yeah, because, because, yeah, go ahead. Okay. I don't want to cut yeah, you off. I think, I think, uh, the, the, for all of these things, mm-hmm. whether it's self sufficient flesh, mm-hmm. religious flesh, indulgent flesh, sensuous flesh, the critical issue is trying to be independent from God. Okay. Trying to be independent from God. Because if I do these things, it gets me into, into the door. And God will say, no. What gets you in the door is what my, God, my son has done for you. Mm-hmm. That's the bottom line. The way I get comfort, the way I get enjoyment, the way I have my needs met is not based on what I do, but what my son has already done. So he says, seek my son so he can show you what he's done. That's it. That's the bottom line for, for all of it. And again, like I'm saying to us, especially in this part of the world, it, is, it, is, it takes serious exercise of the, of the will through the Holy Spirit to just consciously say, no, 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 I don't, I can't do this. Uh, God, how, how, and, and just to wait. The biggest, for me as a human being, Revelation will tell you, I want everything done last week. So anything that impedes my ability to do them last week is a serious problem. What is that room for? (laughs) So it's a a challenge. It's a challenge. So to just take a deep breath and take a pause and just say, God, and I'm telling you, it works. Absolutely. 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 And so really the, 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 the easy formula, again, this is, I say this yeah, because I don't want you to leave here with a formula. You understand what I'm saying? No, seriously, seriously, again, because we start worshiping formula. So that, I'm just, I just want to throw this out. Whenever you are trying to make a decision, if you can just decide what's, what's the thing that your heart is just dumping at, and back away from that. It, it, that's, that's just a simple test. Because our flesh, humanity, is a default. It's like computer. I, I pray. When you turn your computer on, there's something that jumps out of you. There's a default that automatically comes up. So what I'm saying to you is your initial reaction to anything you hear or see, what Pasabika calls knee-jerk reaction, your initial whim of what to do, usually, is the wrong thing. Usually. I'm not saying 100%, and again, I'm not giving you a formula. I'm just throwing something out there based on experience. But at the end of the day, the only way you become proficient is by practicing it. And it gets easier and easier and easier. You're going to fall. You're going to scrape your knees. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to miss it. Yeah. 
but I'd rather miss it trying to, do, to be good than pack and keep on missing it. Yeah. Does that make sense? Praise God. Okay. Father, we thank you for our time together tonight. We bless you for your goodness. We honor and bless and praise your name. Thank you for giving us the grace to renounce our fleshly mindset and to embrace the guidance and the leading of your spirit. Father, we thank you. We bless you. For in you we know there's life evermore. And we embrace that life now. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.